I'm Dana Lloyd. Welcome to Soul Sister Conversations, the podcast, where you will be inspired and empowered to connect more deeply with your authentic self as we explore topics of personal development, leadership, and spirituality. Your journey to your most authentic self starts right now. Today, I speak with Anne-Marie Collette about finding inner peace. We talk about peace education, which is learning the skills, attitudes, and behaviors that assist us to live in a more conscious and harmonious way with self, others, and Mother Earth. Being an educator for over 25 years, Anne-Marie is passionate about instilling peace at a young age. What I love most about this conversation, it is about tuning into our inner being. Anne-Marie says when we foster our gifts and discover who we are and honor that, we are on our own personal journey to peace. Welcome, Anne-Marie Collette, to Soul Sister Conversations. Well, good morning, Dana. Oh, I'm excited that you've decided to join me for, I think, an important conversation during uh, times of unrest that we're experiencing in the world right now. We're going to have a, a conversation around peace. Now, you were a public school teacher, facilitator, and educational leader for over 25 years, and you've been recognized for your exceptional holistic and heart-centered programs, but you left your teaching job before retirement to pursue peace education. So I'm assuming you're, you were very passionate about th- that. So first off, what is peace education? Well, how I would define peace education is really a way of being. In other words, it's learning the attitudes, the skills, and the behaviors to live successfully with yourself, with others, and Mother Nature. Mm, A way of being. I like that. So learning the skills, attitudes, and behaviors. Okay. So can you break that down? So what kind of skills do you need to have in order to be more peaceful? Because that's something that people not only looking for in the world, but within themselves. So what kind of skills are you talking about when we talk about that? Well, if I bring myself back to the school setting, um, for children, I think the skills that we need um, as children um, would be how to relate with oneself. And that brings me to getting to know myself better. What are my talents? What are my gifts? What is my genius? So when I know, how to tap into my talents and my gifts, I feel more centered. I feel more aligned. I am connected to my passions, even as children. And we can have tools uh, and resources as educators to help children to tap into their talents and gifts. I have a friend who lives in Ontario. Her name is Tammy Valliers. And hats off to her. For the last seven, eight years, she's been piloting and introducing a program in her school that just that does just that, Dana. It is incredible what she's able to accomplish with kids as young as preschool up to grade eight. She has designed her program. It's called Compassionate Crew. 
And I'm one of her best cheerleaders because I believe that every child could benefit for, from this. So imagine for a moment, Dana, and all listeners, that you would go to school and as early as kindergarten, you would be nurtured and fostered into your genius, into your gifts. How much more peaceful would you be? That's when competition starts to fizzle away, and especially comparison. And how many adults do we know that still compare themselves to others in whatever we are or we try to accomplish? And that doesn't lead to peace, does it? No. So that is something that I find that it's very important that we, we find out who we are and to honor that within ourselves. Number two that I find is so important has to do with communication. How do we talk to ourselves? Because as you know, Dana, we are constantly in communication with self, what we call sometimes the monkey mind Mm -hmm. that can get the best of us at times. True. So, you know, to, to, to hone this conversation and to recognize, to become aware of what's happening inside of us, I've learned a technique that's called quick heart coherence. And that was uh, created by Heart Math Institute out of, of, out of the States. And I studied that technique for the first time in Costa Rica in 2009. It came in my purview. And it is incredible. In seconds, you can bring whatever is bothering you in your mind, be it fears, doubts, limiting beliefs, anxiousness, like if you're anxious, you're worried about something, and you drop into your heart. Because we know, Dana, that the heart knows best. And when we can drop into our heart, that's where our soul is. That's where we can connect to our truth, to our inner being, which is love and peace. I love where this conversation is going um, because I really wasn't sure what to expect when we're talking about peace education, but I love that you're turning it inward to tapping into knowing who we are because I'm super passionate about that because I, I, I believe that that's sort of the key to, to happiness and joy. And just as you're saying to peace, um, that we don't compare ourselves to others when we know who we are because it because it, it it does quiet the mind. We stop wondering about who we are. So I, I love where this is going. And so you say the skills is about tapping into those talents. What attitudes do you need to have for peace education? Well, for me, the attitude um, is linked to values. Like mm. you know, that's what comes up right now. Um, you know, the values of kindness. Of compassion, of forgiveness, of greater understanding, like listening with our heart, hearing beyond the words. When we can develop those attitudes of honoring the person as well for where the person is, 
You know, I came to understand that we are all on different paths. We are all on different levels of learning. And for instance, if something happens in a conversation that I would have, let's, let's say with my sister, and I'm triggered in some way, well, the attitude that I can take is, hmm, I'm going to get back to you because, you know, this, this is not who I am or, you know, getting into that negative attitude. But what I'd rather do is saying, hmm, I'm curious. What prompts her to say this? How can I support her? Where is she right now? And that ties in for me to our inner child. The whole aspect of connecting with our inner child. Because I believe that we have this little inner child inside of us who is still very much alive. But as adults, sometimes we tend to want to shun it or to put a cap on what this inner child is trying to say. So at times, if we are triggered in anger, in fear, in doubt, it could be connected to an experience we've had as a child. And it allows us an opportunity to tap into that, go look what's there, what is still urging us to uncover and discover, and even perhaps to heal and to embrace so that we can let it go, learn a lesson from it. What is the gift in this? Mm, I love that. Because I believe that we are all on different journeys and it's to honor one another as to where we are. So instead of saying, why are you doing this? Or why is this happening? Every time we use that kind of questioning with the why, it leads us to become a victim. Mm -hmm. Because when we say why, it, it's, it sort of alludes that there's something wrong. And it can even shame us or put us in a, in a place of guilt. But if we can re, re change that why to asking the question, what or how, that opens it up. Like, just say to yourself, you know, I'm asking the listeners to say, why, why, why? What does it do to our energy? Like, even just saying that three times, like, I feel like I'm being crushed. I feel smaller. People become defensive when you ask why. Yes. Right? It draws Often. that out. And it, it, it people, yeah, they feel like they have to defend versus what you're saying is that we should seek understanding. Exactly. Hmm. You mentioned that we should connect with our inner child, but that's, that inner child is very much alive. How would you suggest we connect to our inner child? Because people hear that. So if they said, I want to connect with that little person again. Um, and I've seen this happen. Uh, I remember doing a, doing a little talk to a group of uh, women who were very challenged. And the woman was having a lot of difficulty in her life. And she, she called herself a sad adult. And but she she restarted remembering a time when she was a child and she lit up and she smiled from ear to ear. And just that remembering 
um, it felt I, I could see her reconnecting with her inner child. Is that a way to do it? Well, for sure. And I think, you know, there's different paths or different ways to connect to uh, your inner child. So I can talk about my own experience, how I do it. So mm-hmm. for me, when I, I desire to connect to my inner child, see, the inner child has a sense of wonder, mm. has a sense of curiosity. The inner child wants to have fun and play and laugh. So how do I connect to that energy of my inner child? If I want to laugh, I will surround myself with people who love to laugh. Or I can read a book with humor. Um, I can learn to laugh at myself and not take myself so seriously. You know, if we spend time with children and we observe their behavior, I think I read lately that a child reads in excess, uh, laughs in excess of 200 times a day, and most adults only 18 times a day. So when I read that, I decided I'm going to take into account today, how many times do I smile or laugh? And phew, it was over 18 times. So I was really <laughs> happy to see that I'm connecting to that sense of the inner child of wonder, of being curious about things. So for me, like I'll I'll bring myself back to um, a situation with my sisters one time. And I mean, I love my sisters. We have a beautiful relationship and I feel very blessed because uh, they get me and I get them. So I'm very, very blessed to have Louise and Jacqueline in my life. And uh, they know that I've never lost that touch of being childlike. It's a difference, childish and childlike. True. So anyway, I remember one time I was with them and I got so excited that I was like doing this happy dance and say, hoo, 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 hoo. <laughs> and they looked at one another and they said, oh my gosh, she will never grow up. And, exactly. <laughs> and you know what? That's, and I told them, that's the best compliment you could ever give me. I don't want to grow up and become serious and sad and doubtful and fearful. I mean, children, they have so much courage and resilience. They bounce back. They get themselves up and they say, what's next? What can I play with next? So. Oh, I love that. And I, if you, we just listening to all those descriptions of an inner child, a sense of wonder, fun, play, laugh, courage, resilience, and you're expressing such lightness when you do it, isn't that a great place to be? And so many people are not there. And, and that's, uh, you know, I think that's where people are trying to get to. They go, I just want to be happy. I just want to be joyful. And I think that's a great idea of connecting to the inner child because it's a place where we can at least remember, remember yeah. a time when we were like that yeah. as an avenue to get back there. Uh, I'm, I would like to pipe in with this, Dana. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was in the school system, I've assumed many different roles, but uh, for now, I will talk about when I was in the classroom. You know, when you start school, you have 25, I had up to 33 kids in one classroom. 
So they all come in on the first day. So as an educator, as a classroom teacher, coming from a place of being a universal mother to all, coming from the place that Maria Montessori, who started the Montessori schools, said the best teacher is one who becomes a mother to all. And I literally took that at heart. So when all children would come in the classroom the first day, I would bless their heart and say, thank you for being in this classroom. And then what was intriguing for me was to look into their eyes and to look to see how bright their light was. That was, I was on a mission, Dana. Because I can feel me, it. Oh yeah, for me, it was so much more important than helping them to add three plus three equals six. Mm. Because get this, when the light is bright in children, anything and everything is possible. So, I, you know, like this ties into peace because when little children, their light has been dimmed for whatever reason, these children are not at peace. And often, you know, they will act out, they will say things, but again, to remind ourselves, that's a signal that something is not aligned with them. How can I help you to really connect with who you are and to love yourself again? Because when we love ourselves and we can honor ourselves with our talents and with our quirks and whatever else, that we love ourselves wholeheartedly, how can we not be at peace? How can we not love our family, our friends, our neighbors? It's so true. And I feel like you're answering this question, but I want to ask you, why are you so passionate about peace education? Because you left your job as a teacher. You could have stayed for, you know, the end of the, you know, to retirement, but obviously you felt passionate about taking another path. Uh, why, how did you become passionate about this? I think I've always been a peacemaker, a peace builder. You know, when I reflected on this uh, question, because I've been asked this question more than once, it brought me back, believe it or not, to the schoolyard. Mm-hmm. I was brought up in Baktouche, and um, I can still see myself. I'm only about seven years old. And this little girl had no friends. Nobody wanted to, to hang out with her. And I can still see myself at recess looking out and checking if she has anybody to play with. And if she didn't, I would offer, hey, do you want to play with me? So I think it's, it's part of who I am. Even in my family, wanting to bring peace. You know, all families go through their ups and downs. And uh, I think it's part of my my DNA, may I say that. And And dare I say a calling? Yes, I think it is my calling. And uh, to come back to the school setting, because that's where your question was, because of who I am, that's 
that was at the forefront of my teaching to bring peace into the classroom. I have a very good example to share. May I? Yes. So get this. Um, I decide that I'm going to take a year off without pay before quitting education so that I can reflect on who I am. Why am I here and where am I going? So every day I have a practice of meditation. I've been doing that for years. So in the morning, I would ask those three questions during the year that I'm off school. Well, would you believe, Dana, almost to the day after nine months of asking that question every day and journaling and not getting too much of an answer, almost like a baby being birthed. One morning, I hear very loud and clear the answers to who I am. Do you want to know what it is? Yes. Who I am, I heard, be love. Be love. Now, did you hear this as a voice, a thought? I heard that as a thought. It's like mm -hmm. the higher self speaking mm -hmm. to me because I have that ability to connect with my higher self quite easily. Mm -hmm. So I heard, be love. Mm -hmm. And then I heard, why are you, like my question was, why are you here? And the answer was, be peace. And then my third question was, where are you going? And the answer came as be light. So that wasn't too clear for me. So I asked, <laughs> what, what does this mean? And get this, I heard these answers apply not only to you, they apply to everyone on the planet. Mm. So who am I? I am love. So everyone at the core of our DNA, of our soul, I am love. I am a bright light of love. Why am I here? I am peace. I am to speak peace. I am to think peace. I am to feel peace. I am to do peace. So when we in, once we integrate being love and being peace, that leads us to where we are going because the answer is be light. We become infused with light and we radiate, we radiate love and peace. That creates light and those three together combined when it becomes a way of being, a way of living, a way of, that's when you can have joy mm. and inner joy, not the outer joy, the inner joy. So now, when I received those answers, I said, well, what am I supposed to do with this now? <laughs> and the next thought was, we would like you to go back to the classroom, which I had not done in 14 years. I was assuming administrative roles. Okay. So I said to spirit, call it spirit, God, the universe. I said, hmm, sure, I would love to do that. Because there's so many things I would love to have a chance to experience, 
experiment around being love, being peace, and being light. So I made my request. I put in my order for a grade two classroom. And guess what? That's exactly what the universe delivered to me. (laughs) Shocking. Yeah. (laughs) So for a whole year, for a whole year, I experimented with being love, being peace, and being light. As a matter of fact, spirit guided me every day as to how to do this without being fired and without using <laughs> woo-woo words and stuff. Right. Like that. It was very practical. So, and, so how did that show up in the classroom then to be light? And you're trying to be a teacher and you're obviously very passionate. You talk about being the universal mother and leading with that kind of language and peace is the forefront of how you teach. So what did your classroom look like for any teachers who are listening who this, this resonates with? Well, the classroom, uh, words that come up is heart warming. It's warm. It's, um, but I, I need to share this, this, uh, this example for teachers and for everybody who's listening. Mm. So coming back to going into that classroom. So I heard the very first day, as we all know, as adults, it's a question of seconds that we have to make a lasting impression. We all know that. It's a matter of seconds. When we meet somebody new, we will use our radar and they do the same. And it's either it's clicking or it's not. Do you agree, Dana? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, guess what? Our children, it's even magnified. They get us like in two seconds. And so this is what I heard. The first day, invite all parents to come in the classroom and stay as long as they would like so they get to know you and see you in action. So I called every parents and invited them to stay as long as they would like on the first day. None stayed because... They were not used to this, but everybody came to school at my door to meet me. Everybody. So what I I was instructed to do by spirit is to go get a huge bouquet of flowers, enough for each child to receive a flower. And they asked me to present this flower to each child and say this. So I will create the scenario for everybody to, to see this, how it, it, uh, it laid out. So as every child, like the first child who came in, I still remember her name. Her name was Savannah. Beautiful little girl, blonde hair, blue eyes. And she comes in. And the first thing I know, I drop to my knee because... She was, you know, much smaller than I am, and I wanted to be at her eye level. And we know the eyes are the windows of the soul. So I looked into her eyes, and silently I said, I love you. Thank you for being here. I'm excited to be your teacher. And then I would say, who are you? Not saying anything, just connecting with her at the soul level. And I presented her the flower and say, look at this flower, Savannah. 
There is no two flowers alike in the whole world. There's no two like you. My job this year is to help you to connect with who you are. How do you think the parent reacted when she listened me connecting in that way to her child? I mean, some parents literally were crying because it was this magical moment. That to me is love and peace in action. Mm. And I mean, from that connection, I just built on that. And how did I create peace? See, coming back to what I shared earlier in the program, Dana, I set it up that the first four weeks of school, it was all about building relationships. Mm. So building relationships with self, with others, and Mother Nature. So I had rocks, crystals, sand, flowers. We would go outside, lay on our backs, and look at the Canada geese flying over us and talk about what's happening. Did you notice that? The first one went at the back. Why do you think that's happening? Oh, sharing leadership. Oh, the same thing happens when we go in line so that we want to go, for instance, to the washroom or go get a drink. You know how kids always want to be the first one in line? (laughs) Yeah. And often, you know, they push each other and all that. All of a sudden, all of that stopped in the classroom. They understood with the lesson of the Canada geese that we have shared leadership. That's amazing. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on about it. But the first four weeks, it was about building relationships. So my first theme was, I am special. So what makes me special? So the whole week, we talked about what does it mean? And that can be taught in language arts and in so many different ways. And then it was, I am capable. I showed them a video of Terry Fox. And, you know, talking about him running with his leg, you know, amputated. Did he wake up in the morning and say, I can't do this? So all of a sudden, talking about attitudes, the attitude is, I can do this. I can ask for support if I need some help. So it was it was just marvelous, you know, when I think it sounds it. marvelous. It sounds rewarding as a teacher. And I can only imagine how grateful the parents were to have their children have a teacher like you. Um, this is what we need more of in our lives in general, is this understanding and being able to see each other. Um, I think there's a, a lost art of being able to see each other. And uh, I think you're reminding us of how we can do that. I am very, very um, happy with what is happening uh, in some schools in our area. I can speak only for our area because, you know, I don't know what's happening elsewhere. But um, I've been involved with a group for about two years now. We call ourselves the Peace Leaders Collaborative in Greater Moncton area. 
And we came together because we were all interested to bring, elevate the state of peace in our area, where people would feel more connected, more included, have a sense of belonging, and all can thrive. So we came with that as a basis. You know, this is what brought us together. This is our vision. This is our purpose. This is what drives us to, to be part of this group. And I'm very happy to say that the three mayors of Riverview, Moncton, and Dieppe last week in a private celebration with some of our members signed a proclamation of peace. They are on board as cities to, because to, to, to be more creative in looking at different ways How can we elevate the state of peace? And what would it look like at a city level? But what I want to say is that each member on this Peace Leaders Collaborative, we all have a passion for one area, one slice of society. And myself, it is with children and youth. So it opens me up to visit schools or have conversations with what is happening in schools. And with this proclamation being signed in our area, Dana, that is a historical moment. Get this, three cities come together and they make a public declaration. We are becoming, doesn't mean we are there yet. We are becoming an international city of peace, because this proclamation is part of an organization. I believe we are now 290 cities around the world who have made a public commitment to the advancement of a culture of peace. So in July, knowing that this would happen on the 21st of September, or hoping it would happen, because we were still in conversation with our mayors, um, I've opened the door with the Anglophone and the Francophone districts. And I applaud loud what is already in place in those districts. Like just to give you an example, in the French district, this lady by the name of Rosaline Bezot, She is a star blazer in my world, and not only in my world. She's being recognized and acknowledged for her vision. As a high school teacher, she decided to create a course to help kids who feel disconnected, who don't love themselves, like the, you know, the outcast. Already at that age, I think that's very sad, but she's a very wise woman and she decided to create a course to help them to connect with themselves and to love themselves and to get to know themselves for the value that they are and that they have an opportunity to bring into their community, into the world. So at the end of the course, one of her students walked up to her and said, Madame, May I ask you a question? And the question was, why is the school waiting to teach this when we're 15, 16, and 17 years old? Mm. 
This should be taught in kindergarten. Well, that's all she needed to run to the superintendent's office and say, this is what I heard. This is what I'm ready to do. I would love to pilot a project on mindfulness and help kids to connect through mindfulness. And the superintendent said yes. And she started, I believe it was five years ago, to let you know that today she has trained in the Francophone district at least 200 teachers who every day practice mindfulness. Wow. Now, just imagine what that practice is doing, not only in the classroom setting, these kids year after year, some kids for five years now, have been practicing this every day. It becomes part of their culture, not only in school. They bring this at home. Right. And in the Anglophone district, Having a discussion with Heather Storty, I believe her title is Director of Community Partnerships. She told me that I believe it starts in grade five, five to eight. They have a program where children, the the students, have a chance to come together and discuss about the topics that we're talking about, about being peace, love, forgiveness, compassion, growth. I think it's brilliant. And they choose, I believe she said that they choose one representative, one student representative from their 37 schools to attend and like a, a one day where they bring them all together. And then that School rep goes back into their school and they organize activities. They create, for lack of a better word, I think she said a club or it could be a committee. But imagine that too, what's happening at that age level. Grade five to eight are critical ages, as we all know, you know, preteen, teenagers. We're so self-conscious and we think everybody's, looking at us all the time, and there's some peer pressure. So to create this kind of support system in schools, I think it is brilliant. And I could go on and on. I mean, in Riverview, look what Becca Schofield did for the area. Yes. Now, just not just for New Brunswick. I mean, that went viral. And she was, what, 17, 18 years old? So I believe when we give a voice to our children, They are the genius. Mm. And NASA did a study. Have you heard about the study that NASA did? I don't believe so. NASA did a longitudinal study. I don't know on how many years. And they started studying kids, asking questions to kids when they were, I believe it was five years old, up until they were in their 30s. And you know what they have find out they find find out that each one of us we are born with a genius inside of us and when we are in kindergarten we tap into that genius 98% of our genius 
is tapped into. But the more we go through schooling and societies, learning and conditioning, by the time we hit our 30s, there's only about 2% of our genius that's tapped into. Wow, that's a sad statement, isn't it? It is. Mm. So our children and youth, when we bring them in conversations or around the board table, the, the, you know, in our boardrooms, they are creative, they are resourceful, and they are fearless. They have courage. They dive into it. They don't have all the preconditions that we have as adults. They don't ask all the, why would it not work? Right. They, 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 this, that little saboteur or gremlin is not at play as much. That's right. Um, they see mm-hmm. the opportunities. They see the fun. They see the magic that can be in it. Mm-hmm. Wow, we're having quite the conversation here this morning. <laughs> <going on>. I'm, <laughs> I'm listening intently to your insight, your philosophy, and your your knowledge. And it's been an amazing uh, conversation If someone is listening and they're thinking, I want to do that, you know, how does one become a peace educator? Mm, If they want to be a facilitator of this or, I mean, other than just becoming peaceful yourself, that in itself probably has more power because it has such a ripple effect in the the world around you. Um, Yeah. So, so when I have to um, ask you a question of clarity, when you say, what does it mean to be a peace educator? How do you qualify peace educator? Is that only for schools or is that in general? I guess in, in general. So, for example, you would call yourself a peace educator. You have a passion in particular with children and schooling. Um, is there a, a program that you take to become a peace facilitator um, about how to put this in the world? Or is it just literally a personal um a calling, something that people feel they need to to put out in the world by becoming peaceful themselves. Like, do you teach this? Do you go into schools and teach people how to be, um, you know, programs around peace and, and compassion? I would love to be invited to go into schools and teach programs. Um, yes, I could do that. I have not been invited yet, but uh, I do volunteers like the, I volunteer in schools. Mm-hmm. to bring, you know, my knowledge and my wisdom. And I believe that it's not about me and my knowledge. It's about tapping into their knowledge because I believe that everyone has it within themselves. So it's if I was invited into a school, it's not about me telling them how to do it. It's about springboarding on what is already happening in their schools mm-hmm. in the realm of peace. Because everybody does, may, they may not, may, they may not be calling it peace education, right? Uh, and I think that's that's what's interesting. And not say that it threw me, um, but for the peace education, I was thinking I, I knew this would be a great conversation, but I wasn't sure where peace education was going. And I love how it's how you brought it back to it's who am I, the gifts and the strengths and the talents that that we have. Um, because you are 100% right. When we live in alignment with our values, when we know who we are, that inner critic voice quiets 
and we create peace within ourselves. So of course, then we're going to move in the world much more peacefully. And as you said, stop comparing ourselves to others. Yes. So, okay. So coming back to peace education, um, I knew a group of uh, teachers from Boktouche, the elementary school in Boktouche. So in 2013, I was invited to go meet with their new principal because she was very open-minded, which, and I did go meet with her. And I said, I want all of you there in the meeting. And because she wanted to hear about my experiences in schools around what I did uh, in the realm of peace education. So that principal was very open And one of my friends who was teaching in that school at that meeting said, I suggest we create a peace committee at school. Well, it literally took off in that school. You know, there's a saying, so goes the leader, so goes the school. And it applies to businesses or organizations as well. So because this principal was on board, she supported these teachers and the community. Make a long story short, by the spring of that year, they organized a peace festival, not only for the school, for the whole community of Bukdouche. Mm. So it, it's, it has to do with one person. It's Margaret Mead who said, never underestimate the power of thoughtful and committed a small group of thoughtful and committed individuals mm. because that changes the world. And the world does not mean at the global level. The world could mean my world, my family, my school, my community. Mm. Wow. I love that. We could go on and on, Dana. We could, we could, but I love what, what you've shed insight on. Okay. Um, yeah. I think that's a, a lot of encouragement to, to, for us to find our own inner peace. And I want to, I want to answer your question because your question was, how does one go about to learn about becoming a peace educator? Yeah. Is, is there, yeah. is there resources for that? If someone wanted to bring programming to wherever they are, their, their work, their workplace, their school, their communities. Well, Dana, uh, I had, I did not have a chance to share this with you yet, but I will on air. You know that you did an interview with Scarlett Lewis two weeks back. Yes. I happen to bump into that podcast. (laughs) The universe brought me right there. And I've listened to that podcast, and when she talked about what she's doing with her Choose Love movement, instantly, I went to her website, wrote her a message about who I am, what we are about to do in this area by becoming international cities of peace, wanting to bring peace into schools, and we started a conversation, Scarlett and I. Amazing. And the reason I want to bring it on air is this. I've approached schools in the past to bring some of my tools and best practices. They love everything that I could bring. And they would say, well, we don't have the money to pay you. 
So that's where I decided that's obviously not how I'm going to earn my income. And I became, you know, I was already a life coach. So that's where I specialized in. But just to come back to the schools not having the money, Scarlett Lewis is on a mission to bring, she doesn't call it peace education curricula, but in my world, it is fostering peace because oh, yes. it revolves around courage, compassion, love, kindness, and forgiveness. And she has created a curricula from pre-K to grade five, I believe. And it's all done for the teachers. And it is free of charge. That's true. So That's true. I am on a mission. Everybody is going to hear about her program. <laughs> I love how you bumped into the podcast to hear that for two souls to connect who are on a similar mission, because you're right. She has already created all these resources and they're 100% free because for anyone who hasn't listened to that podcast, her son was murdered in the Sandy Hook elementary school shooting back in 2012. And she has, has, basically on a mission to get people to choose love over hate. Um, you know, because if the person who had seen love or been able to think loving thoughts wouldn't have walked into a school and open fire. And so she is on a very passionate mission to make sure that everybody is equipped with this emotional tools. And you're right. It's right in alignment with what you're doing. And it, we may call it different things, peace, education, emotional intelligence, um, but it's all the similar things about knowing who we are, loving ourselves and putting that out into the world. And what better mission than that? And I have another um, piece, uh, like a resource or a tool to offer. Um, I have been part of the Rotary Club. And um, about, I would say, close to four or five years ago, I don't know if you know, Dana, but at the heart of their mission, the Rotary Club, is to advance peace, goodwill, and greater understanding in the world. Hmm. And way back when, like many, many years ago, every adult who would join the Rotary Club would be given a book on peace. But for whatever reason, they stopped handing out that book that was on peace because it was so part of their mission. Sure. But about five years ago, as I said earlier, so goes the leader, so goes the organization. The elected president of Rotary International was uh, sensitive and aware that peace is part of their mission. So he started peace conferences. I believe he hosted three peace conferences that year. Now, my late husband, who passed away last September, was a Rotarian and was a peace educator. I mean, he was living, breathing. He was, everything was around peace for him for the last 25 years of his life. He de dedicated his life to peace. And being a Rotarian, he believed with, I think they have, is it almost 2 million members around the world? 
Bob, my late husband, believed that if Rotary would take peace seriously, they could actually change the fabric of our world because they're involved in so many communities. Right. And five years ago, it started. It started to be infused at their local meetings, at their regional meetings, and they have six or seven areas of focus, the Rotary Club. And at that year, if you would go on their website, they had added for an area of focus, for instance, quality education for all, they would have added and peace. The reason I'm sharing this is that if there's any adults who would love to be educated in peace, the Rotary Club is a good place to be and to also become an active member to spread peace in your community. They have online resources, and when you are a Rotary member, they're all free. So they have developed programs on how to become a peace builder, a peace maker. I don't think they call it a peace educator, but it's just a matter of language, and we're not going to get attached to words this morning. No, it's not what we're talking about. We're talking no. about a state of consciousness, moving ourselves upward and onward with peace in our heart, peace in our families, in our communities, in our countries, and in our world. And peace is possible. Peace is one decision away. I love that. That's a great message to end on, I think. Although I have a couple of quick questions left to ask you. I call them my rapid fire soul questions. <laughs> yes, yes. What does peace, um, how does peace impact living an authentic life? What impact does it have? For me, the first words that come is wholeness, wholesomeness. Uh, it's, it's connected, like my body, my mind, my everything becomes connected when I'm at peace. Mm, and I, op- you know, when we can operate from that connectedness, we become one with all. That's when we can tap into the infinite intelligence and receive the messages, attract the people, attract the resources, attract the experiences to, to you know, that helps us on our journey where we are mm. on our path. Mm, I love that. What has become abundantly clear to you? It has... What has become abundantly clear for me is that everyone is love. Mm -hmm. Everyone is love. And lastly, what does the world need most? Love. Mm. Thank you so much for your time. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, Dana. And thank you to all the listeners who are with us today. That was such a great conversation. If you loved it too, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Please go to iTunes to rate and review this podcast. And if you want to continue the conversation, connect with Soul Sister Conversations on the Facebook and Instagram pages. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Dana Lloyd Leadership, on Twitter at Coach Dana underscore Lloyd, and of course on LinkedIn. See you next week.